Leonardo! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Oh, yes. Good morning. Hello, everybody. It is the Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com, Seattle Sports app. And, yes, every single podcast platform in the entire world, you can find us. And if not, call Justin. He will make sure that we are on your favorite podcast platform. Do not personally. Do that. He will come to your house. 206-468. Do not do that. <laughs> he will set up a meeting between you and your platform, and we will make sure we're there. That's just how important it is to us to have you. So, hello. We are uh, another beautiful morning. Seriously, legit beautiful this morning. Gorgeous sunrise as we sit out here in Peoria at the Mariners Complex. Uh, the Four Musketeers got to all hang out yesterday. Ooh. Pretty fun. Ooh. Little little uh, Chipotle for lunch. Little uh, trip over to, uh, to where the White Sox Camelback. play. Camelback Ranch, which is in Glendale. Got where, to see Brock uh, get stopped for autographs? Yes, constantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You get to see the difference when you're around Brock, right? Yeah. Like, literally, everyone's like, Brock, Brock, <laughs> hello. Hey, Brock, can we talk about the 1992 like, Huskies? <laughs> like, yeah, all right, uh-huh. we can do that again. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so we all uh, we all made our way out yesterday. It was pretty fun. Yep, and uh, I'll be honest with you. I drove in this morning, and I'm a little worried about the four Musketeers. Oh, really? Yep, not going to lie. <laughs> worried about the four of us. In different ways, in totally yeah. in unique different ways. Yeah, I, 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 I am. We all have our own issues. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm worried about just kind of listening back to some of the stuff yesterday. I think I was a little much. I think, I think <laughs> I was came on a little strong. I came on a little strong. Came in a little hot with the body imaging stuff, yeah. and yeah, I, I was a little hot, a little yeah. extra. Um, well, I definitely didn't do anything wrong. Well, Maura, you, we were leaving the ballpark yesterday, and holy smokes, we were a little concerned about the sunburn. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was. Whoa. I'm still a little worried about more sunburn. Whoa, it was pretty. Especially when she tried to show it to me. It was wildly inappropriate. It was pretty intense. Uh, Justin had a choking episode that I thought I was going to have to pull over on the 101. A little Heimlich? Yes. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) Oh, I I told Brock, I was like, this happens at work all the time. He's fine. Yeah. But I look back and he's bright red. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't even eating anything. No. Are you getting to... This one? Oh, yeah. And then poor Salt. What did I do? I mean, Burbank, <laughs> fire up the progressive commercial. All right. We all go to the stadium. We see your friend Sarah and yep. her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Sarah. Sarah. Nice. Have a wonderful time. All of a sudden, Maura and Justin and I head to our seats. We're sitting there. Where's Where's Dad? Where's Grandpa? <laughs> what do you mean, where's Dad? Where's Grandpa? Where's, where you is guys he? walked off to the left, and uh-huh. I was, so I started to walk over there. Yeah. And I, because I was talking to uh, a not very nice guy, Ryan, yeah. who, by the way, is friends with the legendary Carlos Spicy Wiener, oh. who has not texted in forever. Yeah. And so I was talking to him about Carlos Spicy Wiener, one okay. of our former great listeners. Figured and that. I mean, we figured you just run into right. somebody. Okay, so and, yeah. So I'm like, but all then right. it's like two minutes. It's five minutes. Figured, it's fifteen minutes. We're in the second inning. Where's Grandpa? I looked to the left. Where's Grandpa? Because I saw you guys walk that direction, and then I looked at my ticket, and I said, I'm sure they're at the seats. Right. And the ticket said that. We were in section 14. Right. And you were guys were moving off towards Close. like 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that range. Uh-huh. So I thought it was very easy. I'll yeah. go over to our seats. Maybe you guys had walked off with Sarah sure. to her seats for a few minutes. And you would come meet us in our beautiful seats in section 14 right behind the plate. Yep. So I went over there and I sat down behind the plate and I waited. 
And I waited. And I waited. And I waited. Uh-huh. And an inning went by, and Evan White crushed a mammoth home run. Awesome. And I waited. Yeah. And I figured eventually Where they'll come is... over here. And then I texted and said, right. Where are you? And Justin said, I'm in our seats. Like, do you have a ticket? And I said, yeah, I, I am too. So why aren't you here? And as it turns out, huh? I met Justin up at the top, and he said, where were you? I was like, I'm in our seats. He's like, yeah, we're in section 19. I said, no, we're not. We're in section 14. Look at the ticket. I looked at the ticket. that clearly says 14. And Justin says that says 19. Yep. I thought for sure, though, there was a, for a minute, I was like, maybe Brock did mess with him. And give him a 14 <laughs> ticket. <laughs> sit by himself. You didn't have your readers. Well, I don't usually bring them into no, a ballpark. No, didn't have your readers. No. So you were five sections down. Yeah. Uh, that was after a little parking, little parking episode where, yeah. I don't know, were you thinking about parking like the progressive commercial? Like, you know what? You're if right. We, if we park Hold out on. here, no. there's going to be less traffic, <laughs> Justin. No, that is not true. Justin yeah. steered me wrong on the, on the parking. I did not. <laughs> Justin steered me wrong on the parking. So, anywho, I hope you all enjoy that. So, hold that on. Wait a minute. That is a great story. That is a, a true story. Yeah. But are you going to tell the rest of the story? What's the rest of the story? Last night? What did you think section you were in? On first, well, uh, uh, yeah. When you looked at the ticket. On first glance, I thought section 14. There we go. On first glance. So don't sit here and make it sound like I'm the only one who can't see. <laughs> but did I go to the wrong seat on the plane? Well, you were lucky did enough I to I have these two bags? with you. Did I sit in the seat and have to wait for somebody to say, sir? I think I'm in two That's because you had the two youngins with you. Yep. You basically like like having your kids yep. around to read for you. Yep. Yeah, well, to be fair, we followed Brock to the seats, and then there was another section, too, above us. Yep. And Brock's like, no. That's not it. And he kept going down to the front. And uh-huh. Justin didn't trust him. Justin went over and asked ask. the guy that worked there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's nothing more embarrassing when yeah. you're down in the front row. Oh, yeah. Oh, which, what what no was embarrassing? That or when Brock started talking to, to Scott, Scott Service in the middle of the game. Yeah. Is that embarrassing? Well, I was, Scott started talking back to him. Yeah, yeah. I was giving him ideas. I was oh, giving yeah. him signals most of the game. Or I was trying to film me. When he made a pitching change mid-inning yeah. and you shouted, yeah, I'm right there with you, Skip. Good call, Skip. The annoyance on his face I thought was pretty clear. How he felt about what you were doing. Well, we can ask him about that later today. Yeah, so, yeah, that's part of the plan today. Uh, right. Jared Kelnick is going to join us at 7.30 this morning. Looking forward to talking to him. Uh, that was supposed to be yesterday, and then they have the old players' uh, MLBPA meeting. So we will talk to Jared at 7.30 yesterday, or today, rather. He, um, he didn't get a hit yesterday, nope. and yet he had a very good game. Right? I kind of watched. Like, first two at-bats were okay. Nothing really to speak of. Strike on ground out. Right? Third at-bat, Rope. he hit the hardest hit ball all day. Mm-hmm. 111 miles an hour off the bat. The White Sox By the Mariners. Yeah, the White Sox White took Sox. that in practice for a while. Off <laughs> yes. some no names. But, you know, he, he hit a ball 111 miles an hour on, again, two-strike pitch. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is what you're looking for from him. and Winning every pitch, etc. It happened, you know, to be essentially a look-what-I-found catch by the second baseman. But he destroyed that ball. So, and had a heck of a throw from right field. You like you like Kelnick's arm a little bit there? Pretty good. That was a pretty good arm pretty from right field to third base. So, uh, he, he's he's had a nice start to camp. Yeah, he ran a, a double play. He, I mean, he's got wheels. I'll tell you this. The, the kid we saw yesterday, at least for, I didn't see him here at the facility, um, Cade Marlowe. Oh, he can, he can run, run too. a little bit too. I mean, you you switch and flip flop the uniforms on Kilnick and Marlowe. I'm not going all body show. I'm not. I'm, t- I'm toning it down a little bit today. <laughs> but if you just switch their jerseys, they are built. Whoa, that's a hot air balloon. 
Wowzers. What? That is a big old oh, hot yeah, air pizza. Do you think you could focus for a few minutes? Not really. No. It'll be great. I had a, no. I had a, I had oh, a, I thought that was your body description. Me too. Oh, Cade Marlowe? No, he's right. looking at hot an air actual balloon? hot air balloon. Okay. No, uh-uh. Cade Wowzers. Marlowe's a little bit taller, but other than that, little bit, I would but, say there's some similarity. He's an NFL running back. So yeah, they both have that sort of Christian McCaffrey. If last, if last year Haggerty and Moore were scant backs, yeah. Uh, Marlo and Kelnick are tailbacks. <laughs> yes, straight up tailbacks. Uh, yes, yeah. They they can uh, they can both really get up and go. So yeah, not not a great game. A, a lot of the backup pitchers yesterday. A lot of guys with no last names on the on the jerseys, which is kind of your first indicator that. Yeah, I mean, you you sort of had the Mariner B squad for the most part with a couple guys, Julio mm-hmm. and and Pollock and a few other guys in there against the White Sox A squad. Right, yep. Mankata yep. and and All their big the hitters. rest of their big guns, yep. and that's a pretty good lineup. Yep. And when you put a pretty good lineup against some guys who don't have names on the back of their jerseys, you get fairly predictable results. And yesterday it was a ten. But I will say to anybody listening this morning, thinking, "Boy, do I need to get out of the snow? Should I get out of the rain? Should I look at some airfare? Should I try to find a way to get down here?" Uh, the answer is the definitive yes. yes. And you can ask my buddy Nick that was sitting next to me yesterday, a listener. Yes. Who all of a sudden, yeah, after I don't know about second inning tournament, he goes, um, "Are you Salk or are you Brock?" And I was like, <laughs> "God bless you." Hold on. More importantly, are you going to say what Sarah said as soon as? she met us what's that are you gonna repeat uh. what sarah said as yes. soon as she met us you should good morning gents what um, what did sarah say when she, she met us she said gosh you are shorter than that I even is <laughs> such a lie that is the biggest lie any liar has Maura ever is told so tall she was trying to make friends yeah what did so she say tall. i know justin said, so you're well. much taller in person <laughs> thank you Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Much appreciated. Watch your glasses. Like she expected me to be some sort of a five foot troll. Yeah. Like no, I thanks. I'm five ten, or at least I was. Now I'm five nine. All right. Uh, I'm five ten. I think I've got you. I was five ten. I've shrunk a little bit in my old age. I can't see. Nope. I'm getting smaller. My back. You my park. legs. <laughs> just a mess. It's all a big challenge for me these days. Plus, I hate the new baseball rules. They're just the worst. All right. Coming up today, Jared Kelnick, as I said, Scott Service at 9 o'clock. Uh, we are brought to you by Alaska Airlines and by a Kitsap Credit Union. Big thanks to them for getting us down here because this is uh, this is pretty perfect. Yep. Not going to lie. Sunrise. Give you everything you need to know next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, certainly a 10-1 loss. Never fun, especially when Julio leaves the game early. We'll get to that in a moment. But there were a few positives to take out of yesterday. Chris Flexen, very sharp in his two innings. And, look, he's got to feel like he's in some level of competition for the final rotation spot or as more of a leverage reliever. That's if he doesn't get traded at some point before the season. So that was nice to see. And even better to see Evan White reminding all of us why he was signed to a big deal before even making his Major League debut. Six pitch, swung out, and a high fly ball deep to left field. Going back, Benintendi to the warning track, looking up, and goodbye baseball. Into the bullpen, and straightaway left field, the Mariners' bullpen, Evan White, with his first home run of the spring. Skies it out of here to straightaway left field, and the Mariners have a 1-0 lead over the White Sox. Yeah, it was pretty good. That ball just kind of kept carrying, which was great to see. The bad news, unfortunately, Julio jumping for a fly ball at the wall and hit it pretty hard. Stayed in the game, finished off the inning, left after that. He said he just got the wind knocked out of him, and hopefully that was it. 
Yeah, you know, he's right. Here's Julio after the game. I mean, definitely, uh, I was running, like, basically full speed over there and just jumping to the wall, so I definitely going to feel it, but it's all good. Just took a little bit of air out of me, but we're all good now. Is it all good? Yeah, I think so. We'll get a little further word today, I'm sure, when we see him around. But, yeah, I think everybody, uh, certainly in Mariner Blue, collectively holding their breath as he jumps up into the wall. But he only knows how to play the game one way, the right way. And you played hard. You played young. I know it's spring training. Uh, but if you don't want him out there, then don't play him. Then don't put him out I there. I mean, he could not jump at the walls. He, 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 I watched that a few times. He didn't Ken Griffey Jr. Spider-Man no. into the wall. He had a sense at the very last moment that it's here, and I'm not going to go all out and put my ribs on the top of the uh, of the fence to bring this one back. But, you know. But it was also nice to see Evan White get on top of that ball. It was, it was a nice at bat, man. Fired, fouled off some, wasted some some tough pitches. And he's one of those guys you do get a little sense around here, right? The people are rooting for. A, they extended him in the past. B, you know, when I talk about, again, caliber of athleticism, that guy can run. He could play an unbelievable first base if i if i stand corrected and i'm right i think he's on that gold glove wall yeah. in that hallway so he's won one of those as well and yeah just to see that bat get going be a great thing for him. well they'll get back to it today luis castillo will make his spring debut if yesterday was brock's day of lust today will probably be mine here's the second thing you need to know all right, we're about a week away now, Brock, from the deadline for NFL teams to franchise players. Seahawks case, it's really almost exclusively a conversation about Geno Smith. Are they going to be willing to use it? The upside is then they could trade him. The risk is that $32.5 million, that would eat up a massive amount of cap if it's a one-year deal like that. So yeah, if that hit, that cap hit gets reduced if it's a multi-year, longer-term deal. So essentially, you got kind of a game of cat and mouse leverage going both ways. What Gino needs is a market for his services. And so far, that hasn't really materialized, at least in the media. Yesterday, Bert Breer mentioned him as a possibility for the Jets. But honestly, that might be the first time his name has come up anywhere. I believe Deron Payne was the first player franchised last night. We've, a lot of folks on the station have mentioned him, talked about him. I know Bump has talked about him, and others have talked about him. And, boy, that just fantastic interior defensive lineman, a game record, game changer. Well, he's the first to get tagged, and it's about a week, right? Next Tuesday is the deadline for you know, trade him for Deron Payne? Uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. And by the way, when it comes to that, uh, well, I'll deal with it in Blue 88. When it comes to that rear report of Geno to the New York Jets, uh, that's not happening. That's very definitive. Thank you. Okay. And you know what else is not happening? Here's Carson the third thing oh, you need to know. <laughs> Carson Wentz playing quarterback for the Commanders. That's well, not happening. Probably anywhere else. Yeah, he got that I thought yesterday. that was it. What's not happening is Carson Wentz. Yeah, let me, let me bounce around some uh, other NFL stories today. Adam Schefter says the Bears have been approached by multiple teams and are leaning towards trading the number one pick, right? I mean, what else would they do with it? I mean, I guess you could draft one of the defensive guys if you really felt strongly, but the opportunity to only move down a couple of spots and pick up more, it seems like a no-brainer for a team that already has its quarterback. Yes, the Commanders release Carson Wentz, saves them $26 million on the salary cap this offseason. He's still two years remaining on his contract. Hard to imagine that anybody's going to be giving him a lot of guaranteed money from this point moving forward. I saw a lot of folks suggesting that he wouldn't even likely be a backup in the NFL. Well, I was listening 
listen to our friends, uh, Bickley and Murata, this morning here on our sister station, Arizona Sports Station, and they kind of hinted maybe he's a fit here because of Kyler Murray's injury. He knows he's not a starter. He's not going to get a fourth shot to be handed a starting role. He's going to come in as a backup or, in the case here in Arizona, a, a placeholder. And I'll say this as well. The combine does get a little bit more action today. There will be press conferences. You will hear from Pete Carroll. You will hear from John Schneider today. I'm sure we'll have some of that sound to react to the afternoon, guys, and Stacy and Bump will as well. So those two will get their chance to speak at the podium. Plenty of physicals, plenty of interviews, and just a couple days away from those D linemen getting out on the field and getting their workouts in. Bad news, Tyree Wilson not working out. Yeah, I saw that. He's just going to bench. Yeah, he, remember he had, off the he had the foot right surgery before. in season and just felt like he did not have enough time to, to get into the speed uh, position that he wants to be, so he'll do those workouts in about a month at Texas Tech, but he will do his medicals, he will bench press, he will interview, and he will go through that process. All right, that is everything you need to know. Um, if I remember correctly, Schneider's talked about that um, with Wyman and Bob last week and basically said, look, if guys either have a bad combine or can't do stuff at the combine, we're willing to accept what they do at their pro day. I mean, like, it, it, you're getting a lot of the same stuff, right? Yes. It's the, just not all... Well, the nice thing about... There's no control. The combine, it is everybody is in right. the same environment. Okay. Everybody runs on the same turf. Everybody's got the same timing. You have the same timer there. So everything, you just have such a standard versus you get into some of these indoor facilities, maybe a little bit bouncier, maybe a little bit more helpful. Certainly the handheld times are going to be better than the electronic times, all of that stuff. But... Yeah, you'd love to see him just stacked up. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would love to put on a show because guys have gotten in that situation. Mm-hmm. Number one pick last year, Walker out of Georgia. Runs 4-5 at 280. Like, okay, yep, you're just different, and you go number one overall. So. Is he any good this year? He was, he was, he was okay. I mean, because the guys that were projected originally to go number one seemed like they had pretty good years. Aiden Hutchinson had an amazing year. Right? Yep. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson was really good. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who was originally sort of supposed to be that guy, he had a good – maybe not as good, yeah. but still pretty darn good, right? I mean – it's interesting yeah. how that happens. Like, I, I know you love the combine. I know you get a lot out of it, and I don't question it. But, gosh, it really sure seems like you've got to put it in context. Yeah, you do. That you can't fall in love with stuff guys do there, especially for the number one. It's kind of like spring training. you got to be careful. you got to be careful. You can't just fall in love with medicine ball throws against the wall. No. Right? You, you can't just fall in love with Logan Gilbert because he's got a new Frenchie that I learned yesterday. That as was he good walked news. By us. Yeah. yeah, a little girl, Winnie, I think he said. Yeah, Winnie wears was. a pink uh, collar running around here. Yeah, I heard she's around here, so that'll be my mission for today. Yep. Uh, as soon as uh, the show ends, I think I'm going to make it my mission to see if I can find Winnie. Okay. I still haven't seen Tucker. Tucker's been here. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah, Tucker. Yeah, where yeah. He's roaming around. Yeah, You'll he's... find Tucker. That's the Mariners team dog. We do We do see uh, tennis balls everywhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we know he's, he's close. <laughs> They're not, the, he's not allowed to use the weighted balls for the driveline <laughs> or any of that. <laughs> he can only use the tennis ball while he's here. Alright. Uh, speaking of driveline, yesterday we found out what driveline can do to a young pitcher who already throws as hard as he needs to. You'll We'll find out as well next. We'll talk to Matt Brash. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, we came down here last year, Justin and I did. And when I left, I said, I think I have a new favorite Mariner. It was Matt Brash who I really enjoyed talking with, which we had a really nice conversation down here last year and just came away going, wow, I really like that kid. And then Justin and I 
did something that was unique for us. We stood right over here, Brock, right behind you, uh-huh. right where those, see where those little, that look, looks like a little hockey net or you know, a little goal. Uh-huh. See where that is, yeah. where the netting is? We nice. stood right around there uh-huh. and watched Matt throw batting practice or throw a bullpen. And from where we were, which was still pretty far outside what the right-handed batter's box would be, it was very intimidating. <laughs> There's a lot of movement on that slider or that curveball or whichever it is he's throwing at the time, so much so that Justin, he won't admit it, did one of these. Oh, he kind of backed up. I'll admit it. He thought it was coming right at him. <laughs> and so uh, we're excited after the year you just had to talk to Matt Brash again. How you doing, man? How, how does it feel this year? Dude, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be back out in Arizona, get things moving again. We've been having some spring training games going on, so it's just nice to be back out here. Do you remember that interview with Salk last year? Like, he remembers it or no? He I, came I away remember. with a new favorite radio huh? host. Yeah. Oh, he did? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, nice. Very good. Because you always wonder sometimes. Huh? Sure. <laughs> I wonder if we left a mark like he left a mark. I would doubt us. that. Yeah. yeah. No, of course. Yeah, but you, well, you left a mark last season, man. It, it now, you know, you always hear young players say, Whew, having that experience under the belt, how much different is this spring training from that one where Justin and Mike were watching you a year ago? Yeah, I, I think it's a huge difference for me. Just coming in, and um, I feel like I know everybody, um, not just players, but like training staff, coaches. So it just makes life a lot easier, kind of going in with a plan and being so much more comfortable and just kind of being myself and enjoying my time down here. I feel like last year is more of like a, a tryout, like I was trying to earn my spot. And this year, obviously, I'm still competing, but... Um, I'm more just enjoying it, getting to know my new teammates and all that. And um, I'm out here. Well, and maybe you know your role a little bit more this year. I mean, last year you were still competing for a spot in the starting rotation. You tried it. You transitioned to a reliever. How do you feel about that decision now? I know you and I talked very briefly at the end of last year. Yeah. How do you feel about it today? Yeah, I mean, that was that was big for me, um, knowing my role as a reliever right now. Uh, it was kind of something in the off season though, that I had to um, – kind of decide with the Mariners. They kind of gave me the decision if I want to be a starter or reliever, and they're supporting me. And I think we both agreed that my role in the bullpen is really big for this team. And um, I was really looking forward to coming into spring and knowing my role and just kind of coming in and enjoying it and kind of zoning in on what I need to do as a reliever. So um, I think it was the right decision. And- so, yeah, it was kind of interesting. It sounds like, you know, the way Jerry made it sound, and I don't know whether he, maybe it was I was interpreting it that way. It was a sort of, hey, you were going to maybe start – and then it was, hey, if you're going to go to WBC, then you probably need to stay in the pen. Yeah. Is, is that how that went down? Um, I would say the WBC came after the fact that okay. I was already coming in as a reliever. So we, I talked with the Mariners about it for a while. And um, obviously we have a lot of really good starters. And, um, our bullpen, uh, I feel really well at the end of the year. And I fit really well with what we're trying to do. And um, it just seemed like a good fit for both of us. And then it just happened that the World Baseball Classic um, was this year, and it was a good spot for me to do it, and I'd go in as a reliever because sometimes being a starter in the World Baseball Classic yeah. uh, is tough, especially with young guys. So me being a reliever coming to big league camp is kind of Does this shut the door on your future as a starter, or is this now this is I'm going to be a reliever forever, this is what I want? I don't think it shuts the door. Uh, we also talked about that, and I think I would like in the future to have another chance to start. I've always been a starter. I've always kind of dreamed to do that, and I feel like I, I can, but... Just right now, I think it's about getting big league experience, and this team is really, really good, and um, I feel like I fit really well in this bullpen. So uh, for now, you'd be a reliever, and whatever down the road happens, but I don't think there's any doors closed at this point. Matt Brash here with us, but you didn't rest on your laurels. 
it wasn't like the season ended and you just said, ah, I'll just shut it down and, and I'll build back up here at spring training. You went to work, a lot of conversation about your work at driveline and, and maybe even working an additional pitch. Talk us through that process. Yeah, so in past off season, it's kind of just been me on my own. So I went to school down in the Niagara Buffalo area. So COVID season, I, I went down there and just trained. And last off season, I did the same thing. So um, I wanted more of like a professional approach to it and get some pitching experience from other people. I've always kind of just taught myself. So um, I went to driveline, go that road. I always want to try it and um, had a great time doing it. What was that place like? Yeah, so place in Seattle is amazing. So right after the season, a couple of our, uh, like me and Festa, we went down there and threw for them. And um, that place is amazing and a lot of stuff about my body that I would never have heard of before. So it's cool to learn about that. And then, yeah, I've been uh, working on a cutter a little bit with them. Um, they presented to me that I could uh, free up my arsenal, maybe get some more swings and misses, be in the zone a little more. Um, so I've been playing around with that. I haven't thrown it too much. It's still more of a uh, like a pitch in progress kind of right now, but I really like the shape of it. I don't know how much I'll throw it. Well, you and Salk are besties. I mean, we, we made that clear seven minutes ago Obviously when we started this and everything. Right. So let me just tell you, your bestie was trying to figure this out. I was. It, it, it was confusing to me, right? You got a fastball, you got a slider, you got a curveball. Everything yeah. kind of breaks glove side. Yeah. I, I would assume, I would have thought that if you were working on something new, it would be something to break arm side, a change up or a split or something like that. So I was surprised yeah. that you would want another pitch that breaks uh, glove side. Yeah, I, I feel so. I've tried to change up in the past, and I, I can't throw one. It's a little inconsistent. I, I struggle uh, pronating in the ball to go the other way. So I've always been able to spin it really well. So a cutter to me in my head has always been an option, and I feel like I could pick it up really fast. So uh, when they presented the idea of this cutter being in between my four seam, which has some arm side run, like sometimes I get some two seam on it. And then, obviously, these big sweepers and my, my slider and my curveball. I have no middle ground. So, mm. like, the middle of the grid it's middle ground, is Saul. wide open. Jeez. So, with this cutter, <laughs> it seems to be just a pitch that I can uh, get a little bit of horizontal movement, uh, but also be super hard. And it, it, it kind of um, just frees up my forcing and my slider. It's like it, it's supposed to, in theory, get more swings because yeah. cutter has my slider spin, but it comes in there at, like, low to mid-90s, um, so then it, it just makes another look for the kind of thing. So if the five of us walked into the In-N-Out Burger after the show today, and, you know, I don't know, there's 100 people in there eating burgers, and you surveyed them and said, hey, look at this group of five walk in here. Guess who throws it 100 miles an hour <laughs> with one of the nastiest sliders in the history of baseball? I don't know if they would all point to you. Maybe they, maybe they would. Maybe they would. I, uh, yeah, I don't think they would. How, did they, how do you do it? <laughs> well, you went to driveline. They told you physiologically. Yeah, they you I mean, right? Well, I, mean, I thought what they said you had weird fingers. Didn't they say something about your middle finger? <laughs> that helps me spin the ball. Doesn't help me throw. Let me look at your middle. Can I see your middle finger? Whoa! Normal guy, bro. Look at that. No, I don't know. Hold on. Let me get my phone. I want to take a picture of that thing. Come on. Look at Maura's finger. She's got no. No, stop. We said we were going to do this, Maura. Hold on. Let's do it right now. Get your fingers up against that. Come on. She's got giant Pringle hand fingers. She can. She can hit the bottom of a Pringle hand. Come on. She may, you can throw a slider, baby. She's embarrassed. I can teach you. Please teach more how to throw a slider. Yeah, do it off the air. Do it, right, do it off, off the air. Jeez. All right. We got stuff to do later. No, but seriously, how do you physiologically, when they evaluate you and they look at your how, – yeah. how do you do that? Um, I, I think it has to do with my training um, that I've kind of always done. So, obviously, I'm a smaller guy. Um, the training I do is more like explosive, fast twitch stuff. So yeah. 
uh, when I went to driveline and I did their, it's called a mocap. It's basically sensors on your body. You go through your mechanics and they tell you why you throw hard or what you do well. And what I did the best that they'd seen was I moved down the mountain really fast. Um, so for me, not having like the weight behind um, the ball and all that, I need to move fast to get down the mountain to generate velo. So I rotate really well and I move down the mountain fast and um, that's how I throw hard. So I train that. To, so you were not a hockey player growing up in Canada. Were you a hooper? Uh, I, I, I can play basketball a little bit. So yes. I've always been able to jump, um, always been athletic, kind of things like that. So I feel like being a dual sport athlete like that did help. Well, it is interesting, right, because Andres is a tri- was a triple jumper. Mm-hmm. Munoz generated all that power and all that force as a really twitchy jumper. I mean, there's got to be something, that correlation, right? Yeah, you can see it in Mooney, too, how well he gets down the mound. Like, his extension down that mound is, is special, and I think that obviously contributes to why he throws a million miles an hour. Um, but, yeah, I think growing up just being, uh, like, playing different sports, being athletic, I've never really gone through, like, I didn't get taught my mechanics. I kind of, just natural. Like, I just kind of went and tried to throw hard, and I've stuck with it, and that have, worked, that's what worked for you me. You have to pay for driveline, or does the team pay for it? Like, how does that work? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's well, personal, I'm just curious, bro. Like, is it an investment you make in yourself, <laughs> yeah, no, or it, does the team offer it? Uh, no, so I, I, I paid for it. It's something I've always wanted to try. I've heard about it. I didn't go to gain velo. Like, a lot of guys go there trying right. to bump up velo. For me, it was to go and try to make my pitches better and make my arsenal better. efficient. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's like an investment on your body. That's kind of how I put it. Well, and that's why I ask. Cause I think that's yeah. interesting is sort of, you have a, you have a very good first year, you know, you're, you're in the playoffs, you're filthy in the playoff. I mean, like you're really making a name for yourself and to go and spend your own money to do that, I think says quite a bit, which is why I asked. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've, I've, like I said, I've always wanted to try it and, I feel like it was a great off season for me to do it after having the year I did and kind of coming in spring training. No, I'm going to be a reliever. It was um, something I've always wanted to do, and I, I'm glad I did. Have you seen this traject machine? I have not. Okay, but you know what it is, right? You know what this thing that? is? They have that imitates all the pitchers. Oh yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. in the batting. So have you gone to see it? it? I haven't seen myself, but I've seen people. So, on it. so Shannon was telling us that they put Munoz in there against himself to see what he looked like. <laughs> Are you willing to step in against you? I would love to see what I look like on there. Do you think your slider would make your own knees buckle? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it, so we'll, we'll have to we'll have to go take a look. I've been thinking about it because they, I, I was told I might have an opportunity to get in there. Oh, we I might would, have an opportunity. I would love to see it. So if you're me, yeah. see, I would not – like if you were going to throw to me, I wouldn't do it because as much <laughs> as I trust you and you have good command – I'm not getting hit uh, with a hundred. Yeah. Sorry, I don't trust myself to get out of the way. I would. I don't think I would want to. I would. Right. It would be unfair. You get in there. I would. No, you would. You would hurt yourself. <laughs> I would love the idea of seeing it, knowing that the machine doesn't make a mistake. Yeah, right. It can't hit me. Yeah. So if I could see anybody, who should I? What would give me the like a great understanding of what pitching is really looks like in Major League Baseball? I think you should do it. Well, Munoz is a great one just because of how hard he throws and all that. Um, other guys on our team, I think Curb would be would be a cool guy to see, especially with his new two-seamer. Get that on there. Um, I mean, you could really pick anybody. And Luis Castillo, that would be a good one. That would be a chance. <laughs> <laughs> your your hands very... would be broken. If you... Well, I don't think I would swing. Oh, you're just going in there. I would hands. just track it. I don't no, think I would swing at it. I don't think you would it. see it. <laughs> do you think I wouldn't see it? I don't. If, if, if a, you got 100 pitches, maybe after 100. You'd do you think I could bunt one? No. No chance. Absolutely not. You think I'd hurt myself? I think you might, like, bunt it into your own. 
I try to be mean. But. No, I, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I played Little League. <laughs> uh, last two things. We could do this all day, but last two things. Let's spin backward and then forward. Give me the moment that, you know, season ended and you flew home and you're hanging out with your buddies, your parents, family, friends, whatever. And that moment from this season, that was like, wow, that was freaking cool. Was there, was there a moment that just really, years from now, you'll look back and go, yep, that one sticks. Yeah, I, I think for me and I think for a lot of guys, it's when Cal hit that homer and we clinched and um, just like popping champagne in the locker room. And then what I always tell people is there was a group of us that stayed like an hour to two hours after the game finished and we're just hanging out in the uh, dugout like uh, up on the rail just chilling and there's a photo of us doing that and in the background there's still like hundreds of fans behind us like two and a half hours of the game and we weren't even like there wasn't any events going on like we were just on the field talking with each other and there's still fans out there so um, it was just crazy the support we got like down the stretch even into the playoffs that last playoff game another one even though obviously it didn't end how we wanted to but just the support we got from those fans. How about, uh, there were some great games over the course of this year. You guys really played a lot of really fun games. I mean, right? that Yankees game, and I think of the, the play you made sort of the behind-the-back mm-hmm. catch and all that. Yeah. I mean, games like that, did that help get you guys ready for what came your way in September? Yeah, I feel like we did have a lot of really close games, and we had a lot of, like, clutch moments. And I feel like that's kind of what playoff baseball is. It's never really a blowout. Like, teams are never out of it, and um, I feel like we weren't, nervous going into the playoffs even though it was a lot of our first ones like it was just another game to us and obviously it's more pressure and stuff but i feel like we got up for that like that's what we that's what we wanted my last thing is now you spin it ahead and we spent some time early early this morning talking about the pitch clock and just as fans just taking it in after all this experience of all these yeah. years and all of a sudden there's like urgency there's like oh something's gonna happen yeah. how's that process how's that played out for you yeah so the pitch clock's very interesting for me i tend to work faster anyways but there is moments where i do like to catch my breath because sometimes maybe I, I lose it a little bit and i need to go to the rosin bag and take my breath and reset yeah. so the pitch clock does speed you up a little bit so it's going to take us some adjustments did you work I, through that in the minors yeah so in triple a I, I i did it um obviously the games aren't as big in triple a so maybe i didn't need uh, to take my breath as much, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like I, I'm pretty used to it still, even in the string training game, like the last one I threw, felt like I, I was going a little too quick, um, but it, it's just adjustment for, it's for pitchers and hitters, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys have been in the league for a long time, so uh, it'll take a little bit, but it does speed up the game, I will tell you that. <laughs> it's a lot, <laughs> I gotta say, like, I, I, I don't hate it, Yeah, but I can't tell you I like it. I mean, if I'm being honest. That's what we do on this show, yeah, as you can tell. I mean, that's what we do. I, <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have to use it, let's just say I would use it. I, I, we were saying earlier, because I understand why they want to eliminate yeah. Zach Grinke taking a minute between pitches. Like, I get it. Yeah. That's frustrating. That is adding unnecessary time or the, or the hitters that take an hour and a half to get yeah. themselves up to the plate. But can't we let the game play and then if somebody's taking too long, put them on the clock, put them on the clock like they do in golf and say, hey, I'm sorry, Zach or somebody else. Like, yeah. you can't take 30 seconds between every pitch. Yeah. But there's something about the urgency that doesn't feel like baseball to me. It, 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 it feels like, I don't know, you played in tournaments like as a kid. I remember playing in some in high school where it was like quick pitch tournaments. Whereas, like, sometimes they even did, uh, you know, two strikes, mm. three I've balls. Done, I've done that before. Yeah. We started a 1-1 one, one count yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I've done that. And, like, I get it. For a tournament, it's kind of a, a novelty. Yeah. Everybody's got to play. And I understand why they do it. Yep. Yeah. 
But in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what it's like in the regular season with certain guys. But, I mean, for older guys, I can see how hard it could be just being in a routine for 10 yep. years in the yeah. big leagues and you got to switch it on the spot, especially for hitters. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. How far do you drive the golf ball? I mean, Come I, on. I can get out there. Come on. I mean, I can get Three fifty? No. Three twenty. Come on! I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Come on! Let's hear it. I would. I'm like. I can get over three hundred. Okay. If I when you yeah. get it right. Yeah. When I get it. Do you draw? Do you do you? I, I play a little cut. A little cut. Sometimes more than a little cut. <laughs> we call that a slice. Yeah, no. Power fade. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. You power Good. fade you know, with the you power know. slider. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. Matt, thank you so much. Yeah. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It was great watching you last year. We're really looking forward to this year as well. Thank you, guys. Appreciate there it, man. You go. There's Thanks, Matt, Matt Brash. Yeah, it's fun, man. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. He's, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it last year. Had an opportunity to meet him for the first time. Nice Canadian kid. They're generally yeah. Thoughtful. Give me one word. One word. We, for yeah, Brash? we did this yesterday. By the oh, way, wow. fun, what a fun game sitting there watching baseball and yeah. just kind of rattling different teams and who's the first player that comes to your mind. And we did the little word association with Robbie Ray and we went through the starters. Give me one word, Mora, Justin Salk. After twenty minutes of Brash yesterday, one one word to describe him is hmm. calm. Ooh, calm like he's not an overly intense. Calm guy. like a bomb. Calm like a bomb. Yeah, we could do that game. <laughs> You want to play that game? Yeah. Give, give me a word and a song associated with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could try. I, I mean, love if we, if we need to. Reference. Yeah. Mora? I think hungry. I think he seems hungry. Yeah. Just talking about how he still isn't ready to give up that goal of being a starter, talking about spending his own money to go to driveline this offseason and perfect everything, even though he admits that he feels like he came off of a pretty good season, mm. but he wants to keep getting better. Yep. I think I'd probably go with comfortable, uh, comfortable in his own skin, yep. right? I mean, I yeah. think he sort of learned, especially compared to last year. By the way, last year he was confident, especially for was for a young guy. I thought he came across as very mature, very confident, uh, but still a little wide-eyed, right? It was like, okay, but I'm here, and we'll see what's going to happen. I got called up at the end of last year. And, yep, and that's uh, why I said calm, because yeah. last year he, we, he, he, he sat different. Yeah. He was more stoic. Like mm-hmm. he's definitely got a different. There's a comfort level yes. now, and and he feels like he belongs. And, and I think you hear that from him. Certainly, we could see that in his body language. And you know, it helps when you know you can throw the ball ninety eight yeah, miles an hour. With it, a he was slider. just. He felt authentic to me. Yeah, and I too. think it's a very similar kind of takeaway there. That when you know what you got, and you know you've got this. You just got this arm that's just different, man. You know, throws a different pitch and creates a different amount of velocity, and and you can do things just with that arm that other guys can't do. Like watching yesterday, the authenticity is his Canadianness coming through. Seriously, I, I mean, and just being around hockey players mm-hmm. at times in my career, I think you generally sense a very similar vibe. Michael Saunders had the same vibe when he was here. Eric, but Bedu- oh, sorry, that one kind of breaks the mold. But you get my point. I I, I do think it's it is. Yeah, stereotypical, but very common for Canadian athletes to kind of have a real authenticity and an ease of being able to just sort of converse with them. Yeah, and I think about these other guys, and, you know, we're here at camp, and we're sitting right outside their facility, and we're watching players walk by and in and out all day, and there's a lot of minor leaguers here, right? It's not just the 40-man. It's the younger guys are also here getting their work. And yesterday, as we watched, you know, a lot of these guys get an opportunity that, they're not going to get not ready. the big league level, they, yeah. and they just don't have the stuff, yeah. the, the relievers, right? And you watch them, you're like, gosh, I almost 
I almost feel bad for them, right? It's almost like on a golf course when you're golfing with somebody, like a slappy like me that hits it 2.30, and then Matt Brash goes 3.30, and you're like, eh. Yeah, I kind of feel... Well, and you've heard I'm that, feeling right? Inadequate. <laughs> feel this inadequate. Isn't, this isn't real fun. Well, we talked to Eric O'Flaherty about that, right? Who's great and, and had a really good career in major, major League Baseball. And he's like, yeah, my stuff? They wouldn't even let me through the door now because I'm yep. not throwing 98 miles an hour. So I don't even have a shot, even That's though right. he was a really productive Major League player for quite some time. So, yes, I think you sense all of those things from Brash. The other thing I would say is... I I will admit it's sort of an uncomfortable question. Who pays for driveline? Right. But I think the answer is telling. And so my apologies if it sounded a little weird. I get it. But I think that his answer, if I did, is incredibly important. That shows an investment in your own career. And, and we're getting near tax season. That's a write-off for him. Obviously. That's a, right? that's a business expense, a business for, that, expense. for that right yeah, He's got arm. a home office, obviously. <laughs> yes. where, yeah. um, but that means yeah. he committed to staying in Seattle throughout the summer. Yep. It means he committed. Now, maybe he didn't want to go back to Kingston, Ontario. I don't know. It means that he committed actual financial resources. And by the way, it's not like he's making a tremendous amount of money right mm-hmm. now. For, for you and me, yes. The 500 and some odd thousand that he's made last year and will make again this year, it's great in terms of the large-scale version of the world. But it's not $20 million. He's not making $20 million money. I mean, nope. he's he's doing well by normal person standards, by baseball standards. He's not making squats. Did he make you feel comfortable as to why he was looking at a little different pitch? Yeah, I get it. I understand, and I'm sure there's some tunneling element of it or whatever, but... I, I still think if he wants to be a starter, mm-hmm. he's really going to need something that breaks back the other way. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be – no, maybe not. I mean, look, Robbie Ray hadn't really had that for a long time, but you better be really, really good at what you do if you can't move anything to your arm side. Right. So, all right, hey, for now, if it makes him a better reliever, which is where he's at right now, great. And if he wants to keep working on that on the side over time and eventually get himself to the point of being a starter, I still think that would be more valuable for him, mm-hmm. for his own career and mm-hmm. what he could bring to a baseball team. Yep. Right now, they need him to do exactly what he's doing. And he knows his role, and they know his role, and that's a comfortable place to be. All right, I got breaking news, Brock. Breaking news moments oh. ago. Do you guys want breaking news? Major breaking news. Yeah, I went inside. If you were uh, watching or paying attention to the game yesterday, you know that Julio crashed into the wall. Yeah. He was in the game for the rest of the inning and then was removed. I asked him today, how are you feeling? He said, quote, good, really good. Boom. So I don't know. And why would he lie to you? Hard why hit- would he lie? Hard hitting stuff. Obviously, he knew exactly what I was talking about. In the good. Li- in the lineup today? Really good. In the lineup today? Uh, good. <laughs> really good. That's breaking news from spring training. Behind the scenes access that you can only get on Brock and Salk. And thank you to Alaska Airlines and Kitsap Credit Union for making sure that we are here with the kind of hard-hitting, breaking news that only Brock and Salk can bring. That's an exclusive right there. Are you done? I am. We'll be right back. It's Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710, clsports.com.